and welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we tell stories and analyze the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries for our, and hopefully your, amusement. I am your smiling jack of a host, Gary, with my wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. Hello, Misties, and hello, Goldie Ann. <laughs> I thought you were calling yourself a jackass. <laughs> There's enough people to call me that. I don't need to call myself that. <laughs> Hello, <Then>. Gary. Hello. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, since we're starting our n- new podcast, the Halloween edition, I have a Halloween joke for you. So, Goldie Ann, why was the jack-o'-lantern afraid? Oh, I've got to know this one. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it had no guts. Oh, Jesus. Come on. You're the one that said you didn't know. Mm-hmm. Now you know. It's now I know. <laughs> as far as housekeeping notes, this is going to be our Halloween edition because Halloween is going to be this weekend. Woo-hoo! So we wanted to make sure we did something extra special for Halloween for your enjoyment. For us, it's still been very busy. Uh, recently, we did Gators, Ghosts, and Goblins at Orlando Gatorland. Fun, fun. Yes, having gators surround you where you you know you could almost reach out and touch them and pull back a nub is always kind of Halloween scary. <laughs> I love baby gators. And then we also did the Shamu Spooktacular at SeaWorld. Right, right. Um, that was pretty cute because you got to watch all the kids in costumes do their trick-or-treating and uh, all the characters are dressed up in sea costumes. So right. That was fun. The kids enjoy it. Yeah, and it's it's a nice Halloween activity. Yeah, we don't have any kids, so we get to go with our friends who have kids so we can watch them. Yes. Our grandkids are not here. Yet. <laughs> now, as I mentioned, this is our Halloween episode. So, Goldie Ann, what are some of your favorite things about Halloween? Oh, would you wow. Say? Haunted houses, ghosts and goblins and ghoulies. <laughs> um, the big movies, um, Candy. Uh, what's your favorite kind of candy? Reese's peanut butter cups. Is it? Well, no, I guess take five, which has peanut butter, Reese's peanut butter in it. Yeah, that's kind of like a Reese's peanut butter cup on steroids. Oh, yes. Yes. Take fives are the bomb. All right. So, yeah, I like all the decorations, especially, you know, how Christmas time, a lot of people put up Christmas lights. I think more and more, a lot of people, especially around us, are putting up more and more Halloween decorations and lights. Yeah. So it's kind of almost taking over Christmas as far as decorations are concerned. Well, you know, in our house, the starting of September, everything comes off the walls, everything fall, and Halloween goes up, and then come Thanksgiving, everything comes back down and goes up Christmas. <laughs> so sometimes I don't even remember how I decorated before the holidays. Uh, well, because, oh, uh, yeah, because you figure <laughs> September, October, November, December, so that's four yeah. months of the year the house is decorated. Yeah, with nothing but holidays. Love it. Well, good. We are collectors of legends and stories of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't intentionally attempt to scare our listeners. Well, maybe we do a little. Today's story involves a man and meeting the devil, and it also talks about different ghosts and hauntings. Listener discretion is always advised. So, for today's synopsis, we're going to be talking about jack-o'-lanterns. The customs of modern Halloween were started off as a combination of Samhain, the Celtic festival marking the completion of the summer harvest, and Christian traditions honoring saints and martyrs. 
During the pagan feast of Samhain, local communities would light a bonfire, and this was meant to bring protection during the dark winter months. Each family would take a burning coal from the bonfire and place it into a carved turnip, which then they could use the ember to light their fireplace and warm their homes when they returned. Many of the traditions may have changed over the years to include trick-or-treating and the wearing of scary costumes. However, one of the most treasured of Halloween costumes is pumpkin carving that traveled across the Atlantic to the United States with the Irish immigrants. This activity has been around for centuries, except that in Ireland they had used the turnips and rutabagas rather than the pumpkins. Ooh, yeah, I love pumpkin. Pumpkin spice lattes, pumpkin pie. Pump- I think I think we're going to go more on the scarier oh. jack-o'-lantern legends than the oh. pumpkin recipes? latte. So there's not going to be any recipes on this episode? I did not add any pumpkin oh. pie recipes. Dang. Okay, on with it. In a jack-o'-lantern, you cut off the top of the pumpkin or turnip to form a lid. Then the inside flesh is scooped out, and a carving of almost anything, such as a scary or funny face, is put onto the rind. This exposes the hollow interior that you place a light source in to create a lantern effect. Traditionally, a flame such as a candle or tea light is placed within before the lid is closed. In today's society, there are even artificial jack-o'-lanterns with electric lights. And it is common to see jack-o'-lanterns used as both external and internal decorations prior to and on Halloween. What are some of your favorite designs on pumpkins? Um, it used to be you just make the faces, you know, scary faces or whatever you could with a knife. But then they started these intricate designs and where you could put patterns over them and actually make stuff. I wasn't any good at it, but I liked it. Yeah, I I do like going on the websites and seeing some of the professional or more artistic uh, versions of the jack-o'-lanterns that they can make. I did see one on Facebook today that was a golden retriever. And, of course, you know I love golden retrievers, and it was so cute. Not scary at all? Nope. I loved it. It was great. Do you have any tips for carving a pumpkin? Um, Lay out a really big sheet and sit in the middle of it. Yes, it can be quite messy when you, especially when you're trying to scoop out all of the pumpkin seeds and the yes, pumpkin and save guts. Save your pumpkin seeds and then roast them in the oven with salt. Mm. Yeah, I always like that as well. They, I mean, it, it makes so much as well. It does. It does. Well, some of the tips that I have is that if you're going to carve your pumpkin, instead of trimming around the top where the stem is, carve the opening from the bottom oh, rather than yeah. the stem. Yeah. Because then if you take out that bottom portion, it creates a flat surface so right. the pumpkin doesn't wobble or roll. Smart. And it's also, if you carve from the top, as it ages, the top will cave in and the lid will crash into your pumpkin. So this prevents that as well. Oh, that's cool. So I always recommend carving from the bottom. Awesome. And when you're done with your jack-o'-lantern on November 1st, put it out for the squirrels. They love pumpkins. There's a lot of wildlife that does. Mm-hmm. Another tip I have is make sure you spray your pumpkin with like soapy water or such. It helps keep the bugs away oh. and makes your pumpkins last a lot longer. Well, that's I didn't know that. Wow, well, I'm going to teach you a lot of things you may not have known about jack-o'-lanterns. I doubt it. First, Belgium has hosted the world's largest pumpkin for years, but 
In 2021, Italian Stefano Catruppi now holds the title. Catruppi won Italy's Lo Zucone, the pumpkin championship, with his giant vegetable weighing a gargantuan 2,703 pounds. Another trivia fact is that organizers say a pumpkin festival in 2013 Keen broke a world record for having the most carved and lit jack-o'-lanterns in one place. There was 30,581 pumpkins all lit at the same time, breaking a record set by Boston in 2006. The United States actually produces at least 1.5 billion pounds of pumpkin each year, with Philadelphia, Illinois, California, and my home state of Ohio as the states which are the top producers of pumpkins. And my last trivia is, did you know that everything that you see on a pumpkin plant is actually edible? From the skin, the flowers, seeds, pulp, and even the stem. Everything is actually fit for human consumption. So, where did the legend of jack-o'-lanterns originate? And who is Jack? Um, does it have anything to do with Sleepy Hollow? No. Darn it. <laughs> Perhaps now it is time to take a walk within the mist. Chapter 1. Willow the Wisps. The term jack-o'-lantern comes from the reported phenomenon of strange lights flickering over the peat bogs, called will-o'-the-wisps, or jack-o'-lanterns. Ah. Will-o'-the-wisps are shimmering lights that appear in the darkness of bogs or marshes at night. The lights are referred to as fairy fire in Welsh folklore and are said to be held in the hands of a creature called a puka, or puck. Otherwise, in Devon and Cornwall, it was referred to as a pixie light and was held in the hand of a pixie. And in other parts of England, the light was thought to be held in the hand of a small goblin-like creature called a hob. And so the will-o'-the-wisp lights are also sometimes named a hobby lantern. It is also commonly referred to by its Latin term, ignis fetus, fool's fire. Because marshes and bogs can be found all over the world, there are will-o'-the-wisp sightings worldwide. Many different cultures have stories about who or what these lights are. The most common version of a will-o'-the-wisp story often goes as follows. A young man named something common and unspecific, such as Jack, is walking alone in the night. Somehow, he has strayed from the well-worn path to his home and is now walking in the marshlands. Far off in the distance, he believes he can see something. He peers outward and sees a light, slightly drifting up and down beyond the trees. At times, it disappears, only to reappear a moment later. He begins to follow it, thinking that it might be a lantern of another traveler and will actually lead him back to civilization. After following the light for some time deeper into the marshland, it goes out typically accompanied by malicious cackling, leaving poor Jack lost in the dark in a usually dangerous place. He is never heard from again. Wow. And that's usually how a Will of the Wisps story goes. What do you think? So the Will of the Wisps takes people? 
It has been taking people. It leads them dark, deeper into the forest and uh, disappears and leaves them trapped out there. Okay, when I when I think of a willow, the wisp, I think of something like a little fairy, something smaller than a fairy, like a cute little bug or something. Okay. Not something that's gonna. I think of a firefly. <laughs> well, also remember, you're 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 trapped in the Disney version of a fairy. True. A lot of times, fairies are not nice and can be mischievous or downright evil. Right. So these stories fall into that category of a fairy or a will-o'-the-wisp. Okay. No Tinkerbell here. But what are will-o'-the-wisps and where do they come from? Sometimes they are thought to be the wandering souls of wicked people who died and are unable to pass beyond. Evil people such as the legend of Stingy Jack. Chapter 2, Stingy Jack This is just one version of an old tale about a foul drunkard of a blacksmith known as Stingy Jack. Now Jack was a two-faced, deceitful schemer who thrived on manipulating people. His selfish spirit possessed not a shred of humanity or kindness for anyone. Homeless beggars only repulsed him and he showed no kindness to anyone. The only reason Stingy Jack survived the animosity of the village that he lived in was that Jack could be quite convincing when he wanted to be. A few words here and there and much of the anger directed his way would be laughed off. Word of his vile reputation and silver tongue actually reached Satan, who took more than a passing interest in this evil man. So he put plans into motion to meet him and take his soul for himself to hell. One evening, in the dark hills of rural Ireland, one of Satan's devils posed as a dead man waiting for Stingy Jack to run into him. Jack was drunkenly staggering his way back home from the town's tavern when he came across the body in the middle of the road. It was very dark and Jack was very drunk so he moves closer to investigate. As the shadowy form came closer into view, a deranged face with wide eyes and an evil grin steered back at him. Stingy Jack instantly realized that he was trapped. The shadow opened his mouth and with a voice claiming to be Satan himself, verified that he was there to take Stingy Jack to hell. His time was up and the devil had come to collect his soul. Even as drunk as he was, Jack begged for one final request. He told Satan that he wanted just one more drink of fine Irish whiskey before he had to depart the world forever. The demon grinned at how wicked Jack truly was and granted him his final request. Soon both the devil and Jack were walking up the road to the nearest tavern. Now one drink turned into another and then into another long into the night. They had had enough whiskey to have killed a man and before too long their consumption of alcohol exceeded the demand and there was nothing left for the pair to drink. Satan had told Stingy Jack that it was time to go. But when it was time for them to settle up the bill, Jack didn't have any money. He casually turned to his new drinking buddy and suggested that, since he was a devil with magical powers, he could simply transform himself into a piece of silver. Then Jack would use him to pay the tab. 
When the bartender was not looking, Satan could just transform himself back into his devilish form. Satan grinned at this evil and clever trick. And so he obliged. But instead of paying the bill, Jack rammed the silver coin into his pocket. Aware that Stingy Jack had double-crossed him, the devil fought to get out. However, a silver crucifix was in the pocket and trapped him in coin form. He demanded to be released. So Jack made a deal with the devil. If he would leave Jack alone for ten years, he would release him from being trapped as a coin. And, regrettably for the devil, the deal was made. Satan was so angry and vanished in a puff of brimstone and smoke. Dang. Now Stingy Jack spent those ten years continuing on with his wickedness of drinking and carousing. The devil never bothered him once, and he pretty much forgot about him. Once the ten-year amnesty was over, the devil found Jack once more, ready to take him to hell. He had spent the ten years planning all the truly horrible things that he would do to torture the soul of Jack in hell. This time, however, Jack asked for an apple from a nearby tree to quell his hunger on the long journey. Satan declined the audacity of his request at first, but Jack explained that he merely just wanted something to eat to keep his stomach from grumbling through the whole journey. Now faced with the possibility of that annoyance, the devil agreed to Stingy Jack's request. He then began to climb the apple tree to reach one of the truly ripe ones at the top. While the devil selected an apple, Jack quickly carved four crucifixes on the bark of the tree, trapping the devil within its branches, unable to get back down. The devil demanded to be released, but there was nothing that he could do. And on the condition that the devil could never collect his soul, Jack once again offered the demon his freedom. Once again, the devil had to submit to the man's wishes. Jack erased the crucifix carvings on the tree and the devil was able to get down. But he was so angry that the sky rumbled when he vanished into the smoke and brimstone this time. Stingy Jack, now proud of himself, continued the rest of his life safe in the knowledge that he had outsmarted the devil not once, but twice. He was happily drinking and conning his way through life. Years of alcoholism finally took their toll and it seemed that Stingy Jack could outsmart the devil, but he could not outsmart death. He now found himself standing in front of the pearly gates. Well, how did he make it there? St. Peter came out, crossed his arms, and turned him away. Heaven, as many people know, would never welcome a lying, deceitful drunk. Undiscouraged, Jack headed towards hell, where his nemesis was biding his time to get revenge. He reached the gates of hell, resolved to pay for the sins of his wicked life. Satan, however, refused him entry, citing the agreement that they had made when Jack was very much alive. Oh, wow. This meant that Jack had nowhere to go for his afterlife. He was now cursed to spend eternity wandering through the darkness of the world in between worlds. Although neither heaven nor hell allowed Jack entry, Satan did have a soft spot for him. He granted one last favor and reached for an ember from the fiery depths of hell to give him a little light while he wandered the world of darkness. 
To carry his burning ember, Jack found a turnip and hollowed it out. He put the ember inside and turned it into a makeshift lantern. Ever since then, Jack's ghost could be seen wandering aimlessly around the Irish countryside, never able to gain any rest. Whenever locals saw mysterious lights, they would say, that's just jack-o'-lantern. Later, the term became synonymous with the names of Stingy Jack's wandering spirit, Jack-o'-lantern. With evil Jack damned to wander the world until Judgment Day, the Gaelic-Irish community did not want his spirit visiting their homes. So they took precautions on October 31st, the day of the Celtic festival of Samhain. On this day, the spirits of the netherworld could pass through to the world of the living. Jack would be cursed to wander aimlessly looking for other souls to join him in his eternal misery. Ghosts were attracted to the living, so each home had to carve a menacing face into turnips and rutabagas and prominently display them on their doorsteps with a burning ember or candle just like Jack's lantern. Jack would see these and he would mistake them as spirits with lanterns like his own and he would avoid those houses. This would keep away the evil spirits, including Jack, or so they hoped. Wow, okay. So, I've never heard that. And that's the legend of how jack-o'-lanterns got started. That's kind of cool. Kind of creepy, but cool. Well, it is a ghost story. True. And, yes, Jack thought he was smart, but wasn't smart enough. <laughs> Now, we understand how the jack-o'-lantern tradition began, but how did it transform from a turnip to a carved-out pumpkin? Chapter 3, Immigration to America In the 19th and early 20th centuries, the Irish migrated to America and brought along their beliefs, holidays, and traditions. They quickly realized that the pumpkins of America were bigger and better for carving jack-o'-lanterns. And so on the same day as Samhain, October 31st, millions of Americans began to buy and carve homemade jack-o'-lanterns to place on their doorsteps. This is how the jack-o'-lantern turned from a turnip into a pumpkin. So you can see that the jack-o'-lantern replaced the turnip and I think that worked out for the best. What about you? I, I would think so. I mean, the only turnip I've ever seen is kind of small. Yes, pumpkins are much larger. In fact, some of them can be enormous. Yeah. And they're not as hard. And once you can get out all the softer insides, it makes for a better jack-o'-lantern. Now, when having a jack-o'-lantern, there are certain rules that you have to obey during Halloween. Uh-oh. I probably broke them. For Halloween, if you keep a jack-o'-lantern lit until midnight, it keeps the ghosts away. Oh, shoot. I want the ghosts. If your jack-o'-lantern stays lit until dawn, that's good luck for the whole year. But if the light goes out before midnight, that's an invitation for the spirits to enter your home. And if it's lit by a candle, you should always let it burn out on its own and never blow it out. Sometimes ghosts can also take that as an invitation to enter your home. So if you want to invite a ghost in your home on Halloween, just blow out your candle before midnight. Well, there's always room for one more. There's also one special group that seems especially susceptible to jack-o'-lanterns. Vampires. 
It is said that the light of a jack-o'-lantern would identify vampires at your doorstep. Once their identity was known, these vampires would have to give up their hunt for you and seek other prey. During the Feast of Samhain, it is said that if the candle in your jack-o'-lantern flickers, it is because it has been touched by the ghost of a dead family member. Now, with everything that has passed down from generation to generation and from country to country, how much of the legend of jack-o'-lantern is true and which is just story? Well, I'm thinking Stingy Jack's probably just a story. <laughs> is Stingy Jack a warning about what could happen to you if you live a wicked life? Now, A Cautionary Tale is a story with a moral to warn its listeners of danger. Stingy Jack lived a bad life that kept him from entering heaven. Yet he thought he was clever and cheated the devil out of taking his soul. He discovered too late that he had lost his chance for redemption and to pay for his sins. Because of this, he was doomed to spend all of eternity in between, never able to rest. It also warns about going into the night and traveling after mysterious lights in the darkness. Or an alligator. In Florida, yes. <laughs> in Florida, there'd be all sorts of things. Much of early life was steeped in the superstitions, especially concerning death and ghosts. People felt safer creating explanations and methods to protect themselves from evil spirits, whether it involved silver crosses or lighted jack-o'-lanterns on their doorsteps. By providing people with a means to protect themselves, they were able to rid themselves of the fear of the darkness and of the unknown. Right, I can see that. So that helped spread a lot of the stories of jack-o'-lanterns across Ireland and into the Americas history. Hmm. Stingy Jack is not the only supernatural spirit that haunts today. So it is possible that there is a Stingy Jack wandering with his lantern. There are numerous accounts of people seeing other ghosts and ghostly orbs without scientific explanation. Perhaps these orbs seen in different videos and pictures are actually embers lighting the way for spirits wandering much like Stingy Jack in between the world of the living and the world of the dead. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So now you have a connection between those orbs and Stingy Jack's story. Do you have any theories of why you think jack-o'-lanterns have survived so many centuries? I mean, other than just the basic, it's icon, it's Halloween's icon, it's fall's icon, then Halloween takes it and draws a face on it, <laughs> it becomes scary. <laughs> and there you go. That's, that's, it's, it's hard, that, that is kind of weird. It's hard to imagine Halloween without oh, a jack-o'-lantern now. Absolutely. Now, regardless of which theory you believe in, when it concerns jack-o'-lanterns, they are a huge part of our modern culture. Today, the pumpkin carving tradition remains synonymous with Halloween. In fact, the majority of the 1.5 billion pounds of fresh pumpkin varieties grown in the United States each year are sold for Halloween. So that's a lot of pumpkins for one holiday. Yeah, because I mean, you can't find them anywhere else. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, you can't find them anywhere. It's in a can. The jack-o'-lantern plays a crucial part in different movies. Case in point, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. The legend of the Headless Horseman holds that the horseman was a Hessian trooper 
who was killed when he was decapitated by an American cannonball. The shattered remains of his head were left on the battlefield while his comrades hastily carried his body away. Eventually, they buried him in the cemetery of the old Dutch church of Sleepy Hollow, from which he rises as a malevolent ghost, furiously seeking his lost head and wielding a jack-o'-lantern as a temporary replacement and or a weapon. Modern versions of the story refer his rides at Halloween, around which time the battle took place. In the story, school teacher Ichabod Crane is terrorized on his way home by the spirit of the Headless Horseman. The ghoul throws his jack-o'-lantern head at Crane, knocking him off his horse. The following day, only Crane's hat is found, beside the shattered remains of a pumpkin. It is suggested that the Headless Horseman took Crane's head as a replacement for his jack-o'-lantern one. The Headless Horseman is much like Stingy Jack, doomed to travel between heaven and hell. Another movie that plays with the jack-o'-lantern legend is The Return to Oz. Jack Pumpkinhead first appears as the main character in the second Oz book by L. Frank Baum, The Marvelous Land of Oz, written in 1904. Now Jack's incredibly tall and he's a skinny figure made from the tree limbs and jointed with wooden pegs. He has a large carved jack-o'-lantern for a head, which is where he gets his name. Now unlike most jack-o'-lanterns, the seeds and other pumpkin guts were not removed from Jack Pumpkinhead, and so these seeds were supposed to be substitutes for brains. Jack was made by a little boy named Tip to scare his guardian, an old witch named Mombi. And from Mombi's clothes, he took some old fabric for Jack, a purple trouser, a red shirt, a pink vest, white polka dots, and stockings to make him quite comical in appearance. When Mombi saw Jack, she almost smashed him to pieces. Instead, she decided to test her new powder of life on him. The powder worked, and Jack came to life. Now Jack is not known for his intelligence, which seems to depend on the quality and number of seeds in his pumpkin head at that time, but he is a staunch protector to Dorothy during her second visit to Oz from the Mombi Witch. This jack-o'-lantern acts as a protector, much like the jack-o'-lanterns on your doorstep protecting it against evil spirits. So maybe Oz was playing into the legends of jack-o'-lanterns as protectors. Interesting. And then I knew this one will be your favorite. <laughs> this is how the jack-o'-lantern plays into the movie Trick or Treat, which is an anthology of multiple Halloween stories all combined into one movie. And we're mostly going to talk about Sam. <laughs> Sam's name originates from Sam Hain, the origins of Halloween itself. In the movie, he is depicted as a child dressed in a Halloween costume, which consists of an orange set of pajamas and a mask made of a burlap sack with buttons for eyes. Sam drags a dirty sack around with him throughout the film, but his contents are never made known, so presumably candy. He acts as the enforcer for the rules and traditions of Halloween. And despite his childlike appearance, it is established that Sam is more demonic than he appears, hiding a pumpkin-shaped head resembling a skull underneath that burlap mask. 
His rules for Halloween include handing out candy to trick-or-treaters, wearing a costume, and, as we mentioned before, never blowing out a jack-o'-lantern before midnight. As enforcer of the rules and rituals of Halloween, Sam takes it upon himself to punish those who break tradition in the most brutal and mischievous way possible. <laughs> yeah. So here we have examples of what can happen when you don't follow the rules of a jack-o'-lantern. So those are three movies that use the jack-o'-lantern legends to portray different stories and to pretty much entertain us during the Halloween season. Last selection is probably the most famous never seen of the jack-o'-lantern characters. It's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. Now this is a story about the normally level-headed Linus spending Halloween night out in a pumpkin patch awaiting the arrival of the great pumpkin, which is supposed to deliver presents to all the good children, much like his Christmas counterpart. Now his belief is so strong that he even convinces Sally to join him and miss trick-or-treating. When the mysterious being fails to appear, Sally is a bit upset, but our Linus is determined to have an even more sincere pumpkin patch next year to attract the great pumpkin. What is most interesting to me now after learning about the origins of jack-o'-lanterns is, is kind of just how much danger Linus was in. If the legends are true, jack-o'-lanterns are usually utilized by spirits in their attempt to make their way during the Halloween night, or are used as a source of protection against those spirits. So when you think about it, Linus could have encountered Stingy Jack or another ghost in his hopes to get presents. That would have been a real trick or treat. So Goldie Ann, what are some of your final opinions about jack-o'-lanterns and the legends of how they got started? Um. I'm I'm glad we did this. I learned a lot. Uh, I I really like Stingy Jack. That was very good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. It, it. The story of Stingy Jack has been spread for a long time, but not a lot of people really know that. Right. So it's always surprising when you say Stingy Jack and that he was the first Jack O' Lantern. A lot of people are surprised by that. So I wanted to do an episode. For our Halloween, telling you why we carve faces into our pumpkins. That's pretty cool. I'll never forget it, though. That's awesome. Well, if you do, you can always replay the podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, being sure to keep my jack-o'-lantern lit tonight, I suppose this is a good time to make our way out of the mist and bring this episode to a close. Special thanks to bensound.com for the introduction music. For those who want to learn more about the legends and traditions of jack-o'-lanterns, please be sure to check out The Legend of Stingy Jack by Jeremiah Whitting or Stingy Jack and Other Tales by Patrick C. Green. I think I'm going to check these out. Good. If you enjoyed this episode, please support the podcast by suggesting it to some friends who would be interested. We would like to ask you to leave a five-star review on the podcast provider you are listening to this podcast on. This helps promote our show. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Myths Podcast. And we're also on social media such as Instagram and Twitter. We even have an email at WithinTheMythsPodcast at gmail.com for any of you who would like to share your own Halloween stories. We would love to see pictures of your own carved jack-o'-lanterns for this Halloween. We hope you enjoyed our stories about the legends of jack-o'-lantern 
and we'll come again for next episode. Until then, we hope you make your way out of the mist safely and perhaps a bit more curious. Goodbye, everyone. See you later. Happy, Happy Halloween. Halloween. Oh, that was good. Ha, ha, ha.